This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce my special guest, Tony Smetona. Tony, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, yes, I am. Absolutely. All right. It's great to have you here. Tony's passion for automobiles officially began at the young age of nine years old when he got his first motorcycle. This led to an infatuation with all things mechanical. He got his first car at age 15 and learned how to paint automobiles when he was 19 years old. Since then, Tony's focused on automotive body and framework restoration. He's managed and co-owned a body shop. He worked in pro racing as a crew chief and a team manager at the Toyota Atlantic Series and raced go-karts and motorcycles. Today, Tony has a shop in his hometown of San Clemente, California, where he specializes in Porsche restorations. So, Tony, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Please take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I've ever, like when you mentioned the, uh, the motorcycle, that was my first uh, endeavor with something, you know, the internal combustion engine and this and that. Um, and, of course, I was into changing the oil and, in servicing the oil filter. I eventually painted it uh, in my dad's garage. But I just immediately gravitated towards these mechanical devices um, and their function, you know, the maintaining of them, the improving of them. I bounced around now, being 49 years old, uh, you know, I bounced around with a couple different careers. You know, I've been raising a family. Even through my, uh, my entire journey, I always really lusted after, you know, the automobile and restoring cars or motorcycles or whatever it was. All I can say is that I always had that passion, and I'm just really pleased now to finally go full circle and uh, be able to make a living doing what, at age nine, just really sparked, uh, sparked an interest. Well, that's what Cars yeah is all about. People like yourself who figured out how to create a career in the, the field that they're so passionate about, and that is automobiles. And that's fantastic. And the fact that it started when you were just nine years old and you figured out how to keep that up over all these years. And I met Tony last year when I was on the lawn at Pebble Beach, and he restored a Porsche for a good friend of mine, Bill, and it ended up winning an award there and going over the podium. Maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit about that amazing experience because. As I understand, it was the first time you had restored uh, a 911 to that full level. You work on 356 Porsches. But what was that like to be there with a client? I'm sure an amazingly proud moment for you. I know it was for Bill. Uh, Share with our listeners a little bit about that experience, because few people get to do that. Yeah, I'll tell you, it was 
the, the entire experience with Bill, starting from day one of the restoration, was just a dream come true. He was a dream client. I was able to focus and be able to do whatever I needed to do to, uh, to do the job the way I thought it should be done. And then, of course, being at Pebble with Bill. And the biggest reward was seeing the joy that it brought Bill. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, that's the main, this is about people. And, and for him to, you know, to see the joy that he had from, uh, you know, from that experience was, was huge. But that car, the, the 911, I had done 356s and I had some success at some local shows, some concours. It's actually a 356 that I built in my garage. Mm-hmm. But when we started Bill's car, I suggested to Bill that I would really like to do a restoration that really represented what Porsche did. And they were building production cars. I mean, they, I, I honestly believe that at some levels, the show cars are not exactly what production cars are. And, and I know I built show cars and had success with them. But it was, it was great to have, you know, success with a car that we built, not as a show car, but as a car that really represented what the factory did. And, and what I'm talking about is, you know, overspray, um, imperfections, the way that some of the caulking is applied, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, anyways, yeah, that, like I say, it was a dream come true for sure. And that was a, a 73 Carrera RS, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, it just turned out fantastic. And I could tell by the, uh, the glow on Bill's face. He's a rather stoic person, but he was, uh, he was just over the top that day. That was, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic day for both of you guys for sure. Well, Tony, as we continue on your journey, I'd like to have you share a success quote with our listeners, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Tony, take the wheel. My dad, who uh, was also, a, you know, he owned his own business. He was a professional photographer here in Capistrano Beach. He and my mom, you know, it was literally a mom-and-pop operation. He had a saying, and it was... Uh, there's no help like self-help because it's always there when you need it. <laughs> and I really, I really, I mean, I, I think about that, that saying, I mean, I always have ever since he told me that. I think we were in the garage building some cabinets or something like that. But he was a real handy guy. But that quote just kind of gives me the confidence, or, and, and he and my mother both did, that you can do whatever you put your mind to. You know, that's not to say I haven't had mentors, people that have been huge, instrumental in, in what I've done, because, you know, you don't do this all on your own, but, but just to have the confidence in that you can learn things and figure out how to do things, whether they're, you know, mechanical ability or, or doing your research or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, just, just to have the confidence to, that, to know that you can do things yourself sure. and, and get them done, you know, anyway, so yeah, I think about that quote a lot. Could you tell us maybe a story or how you've incorporated that success quote into your business and your passion for cars? Restoration work I do is very low volume. I have one partner of mine who does, uh, who did the motor and transmission for Bill's car, who does the mechanical stuff. Occasionally, I'll do transmissions and motor works myself also on the 356s. We do almost everything in-house. You know, I, I do my own plating. I do all my own, you know, body and paint work. I do all the alignment. You know, we have a, a setup pad that we actually got the race industry where we can do proper alignments. We sublet very little. 
And that allows us to have control over the quality and, and how things are done. And, and to me, it's really rewarding. So like I said, no help like self-help. If you figure out how to do it yourself, um, for me, that just works really well. And it sounds like it. And from the work that I've seen you done, uh, definitely the quality levels are so high and the attention to details simply amazing. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? Tell our listeners, what was that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? <laughs> well, this is crazy. My first car was given to me by one of my older sisters, and it was, it was a Mazda RX-3, which was one of the very first rotary-powered cars yeah. you know, Mazda produced. And, and they, were, they were problematic. They had what they called an apex seal, which is basically the equivalent to the piston ring that would fail. But she gave me this car. She just said, yeah, you know, I'm not putting an engine in it. You know, here you go. So she gave me this car at age 15. I didn't have my driver's license yet. And, of course, I proceeded to, uh, you know, start doing body work on it. You know, I was going to Pep Boys and buying cheap Bondo and, and this and that and spray can primer. And uh, I was working as a dishwasher at the time, and I saved enough money to buy a long block, which at the time was only $600. <laughs> And uh, my brother and I, who, you know, my brother was a little bit older and, you know, had mechanical, you know, ability, we, we changed the motor and I ended up getting this thing running and that was my car for a couple of years and I ended up selling it, I think, for $1,000. So I actually made 400 bucks. But that's when I realized, I lo- you know, the car thing was, was for me. Sure. Um, but it started, like I said, before I even was old enough to drive a car. Of course, it was a project car. You know, I always, always had this, the diamond in the rough, I just have always gravitated toward that kind of thing, you know, like, hey, that car could be really nice, you know, just that kind of looking at something and, and visualizing what it could be and yeah, the per- it into that. The proverbial yeah. barn find. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> that we all dream about. <laughs> Finding that right. dream car sitting there with a chicken on the top and just uh, seeing mm-hmm. what it could be. Well, Tony, what I'd like to do now is, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share a huge challenge or even a great failure you faced in your career that really pushed you to a breaking point? And more importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, like um, you had mentioned earlier, I, I was involved in professional racing for about seven years. During that time, it was the 20, let's see, the 2002 season, I believe, um, going into that season of the Atlantic Series, which was basically, for those that don't know, that was a support series for um, for CART, for IndyCar. We had, I think, a 12-race season, the Canadian races with IndyCar, along with Formula One. We raced in Montreal. But anyways, going into that season, we had a driver by the name of Tony Ave, who was a very, you know, the most experienced Atlantic driver. He'd driven a bunch of other things, too, sprint cars and GTP cars, and, uh, you know, he'd done a, done a bunch of t- tire testing and whatnot. During the off-season, we... We're, you know, we're expected to prepare the car. And, and Atlantic is a fairly small, you know, we don't have big teams. Our, our, we had an engineer, a crew chief, a second mechanic, and then kind of a gopher guy. We, that season, we were expected to do very well with Tony. The, the team owner, Bill Fickling from P1 Racing, that was the name of the team there, based out of San Clemente here, hired David Bruns. And anybody who know, is familiar with the Swift race cars, uh, which would be a DB1, DB2. David Bruns was the designer of those cars. In fact, he designed the uh, the Swift Indy car that Newman Haas campaigned with Michael Andretti. But he became the engineer. And in the beginning of that off-season, he handed us a job list of what we needed to do to prepare the car for, for 
Long Beach, I think, was our opener. I looked at the job list and I just thought, this this can't be done. I mean, they were, you know, I could go into details, but uh, it, it was just the most intense, you know, job list of just the most minute little details. It was a spec series, so you really need to exploit the details that you could or the areas of the car that you could. So gasketing all the aerodynamic uh, under tray, you know, making uh, trick CV joints, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, it, it, the, the, the days and the hours were just nuts. And the worst part about it for me was as a crew chief, you know, safety in the car is paramount mm-hmm. and reliability would be the second thing. And I was actually so involved in doing this job list that I was afraid that we were going to miss something, you know, that would make the car either unsafe or unreliable. At any rate, we, we got through that. I mean, it was just long hours. It was craziness. The upside to it is we went to the second race of the season, which is at Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It's an oval. And we sat on the pole. We led every lap. And we ended up winning the race. All right. P1 had been on, yeah, P1 had been on a seven-year seven dry spell. Uh, they, had, they, they had won the championship in the early 90s with Mark Dismore. And we were always in, you know, I think we had finished fourth the year before my driver did, Rocky Moran Jr. So we were in the hunt, but we finally got a win. And it was, it just shows that, you know, if you keep your head down and you do your work and you do it right, you know, good things are going to happen. And like I say, we got the top step of the box at Nazareth and, uh, yeah. you know, it all, it all paid off. All, all, the, work. all the hard work paid off, but, uh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. at the time it was a huge struggle and a huge challenge of how are we going to get this done. Exactly. Great. Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'd like you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your business and your career, a time when you realized that your idea, your concept, your business was really going to make it. If you could tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Okay. Well, I think it was around, oh, 2000 and seven or 2006 I had gotten out of the racing business because uh you know family and I was traveling just too much and I wanted to be here to raise my kids so I was working as an electrical contractor I had a 356 that I had bought 20 years prior um and it was it was a rat I mean this uh, I I think I paid 2500 dollars for it it was you know pretty beat up anyways I I decided to um to restore this car and so I did it in my garage and it took about two years, you know, after work, I'd come home and work on it or on the weekends. And, and it was pretty, co- it was a comprehensive restoration. I had learned from a lot of really skilled fabricators being in the racing industry and, you know, the attention to detail and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up doing this car after two years and, and I took it to the Dana Point Concours, 356 Concours, which is a pretty good size 356 show. Oh yeah, it's a great show. Um, yeah. So I, 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 this car there and i drove it from my house, drove it onto the lawn, ended up winning first in my class and then winning best of show. All right. So, and, you know, people were like, Who, who's this guy? Um, <laughs> built it in his garage, you know, kind of what? Yeah. And so, of course, after that, you know, I was able to, got connected with a lot of people that were interested in, you know, me doing work for them. And that's when I finally just said, you know, I, I, I got it. There's a market out there. Um, there's cars that need to be restored. It's really what now I'm cut out to do. Like I said, I gained a lot of experience working in the racing industry just with people that were, it's different than the uh, than the road car automotive industry because, well, it just is. I mean, there's it's just so intense and 
you know, the attention to detail has to be, you know, you're, you're competing against other teams. So the attention to detail is just crazy. But anyways, that, that kind of goes hand, you know, goes hand in hand with the restoration business. So it was after that show when people were approaching me and saying, Hey, would you do this for me? Would you do this? I thought, you know, this would be a blast. And, uh, that was, I guess my aha moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, when you went into that, that show, did you have that in mind or did, is that just a, a result of people seeing the quality of work? I mean, were you thinking about uh, starting your own business? No, not, not really. No. Wow. My, my intent was to build, you know, the best car that I could build. And I had looked at the show car stuff and I, I had an idea of what they were looking at and uh, I really wanted to win. I mean, I was going there to, to win best of show. Um, I haven't really told many people that I didn't want to seem arrogant, but that was definitely as I was toiling away down in the garage in the evening, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. So, but, but the business thing, it, it was, I was just, to be honest, Mark, just, just following my passion. And yeah. I guess that's the point if, you know, and, and I think if you, if you, if you follow what your heart tells you to do and you work really hard at it, then good things are going to happen. And that just, it just, but it was never a plan. It sure. just kind of led to that. Well, so, a fanta- really fantastic story. Yeah, very fortunate, but the hard work paid off. That's what it always always comes back to is the hard work. So that's great. Absolutely. Well, maybe the, you've already answered this next question, but what was your really first special car? Maybe you could share a, a couple memories you had with that vehicle. Yeah, I, I would have to say, um, Mark, it was probably that 356. You know, that's the first one where I really had you know, kind of, uh, the ability to do a proper restoration. You know, I had a couple bucks in the bank time to do it right. Like I say, I kind of had the attention to detail ingrained in my head after the, you know, the, the stint doing the pro Atlantic stuff. And so that car, I would have to say, you know, was really a special car. Sure. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, that the, the 356 probably was, was the one that kind of got me going and and i owe that car a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds like it, it that way. what year and uh, model was that uh it was a 61 super 90 okay great and actually mark what i did was i cloned a gt if you're familiar with the lightweight versions of the the 356s you know they're basically uh a little bit like the rs lightweight you could say but uh, mm-hmm. it, it was actually a gt clone now it was it was an original super 90 but not with the gt options and basically i replicated you know i did a lot of research and you know tried to replicate the the super the uh, gt stuff excuse me um as close as i could and uh but anyways that's what the model was very cool let's talk a moment about seller's remorse is there a vehicle that you've had in your past that you sold and you really wish you could get that vehicle back (laughs) yeah there there's one um, I think I was 16 or 17 years old. I traded a Baja bug to one of my older brothers <laughs> for uh, a 69 Alfa Romeo Berlina. Ooh. And it was a four-door, uh, you know, a four-door kind of, you know, Alfa Romeo. It had a 1750 twin cam motor and had a five-speed, had nice wood dash and a nice wood console. It was a five-speed, had full disc brakes. And I and at the time I, I it was I was over my head in that car. Um, mm-hmm. You know I couldn't keep you know head gaskets on it, let alone take care of all the body and all that kind of stuff. But it, no, you know with the what I have now in place, I always thought that would be kind of a fun car. 
Um, you know, I got two boys, and it was a four-seater and whatnot. But I, sometimes I think about that car, um, yeah. the 69 Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, those are cool, <laughs> definitely. The Italian passion uh, always comes yeah. through on those vehicles. Is there a current project you're working on right now, Tony, that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, I, I'm actually doing another 356 for myself. Um, oh, great. It's also a, it, yeah, it's also a 61 uh, 356, and it's a slate gray, you know, originally slate gray with a red interior. Ooh. It's a car that I bought sight unseen on eBay one night. Um, I was surfing through eBay, and there was this car. It had, on the dashboard, it had just a hint of the slate gray. It had been repainted red, of course, and the interior had been sprayed black. This car was a rat. I mean, it was, uh, I think I paid $8,000 for it. But it is all numbers matching. And like I say, the fact that it was slate gray uh, with the red interior, I now have that car. It's on the rotisserie. All the, the, uh, a lot of the metal work is done, transmission's done, and I'm building, uh, doing the motor for it. But that car, I think, is going to be pretty neat, mostly because of the color combination. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I think that's going to be a neat car. So I'm really excited about that one. Oh, it sounds like it. I look forward to seeing that. I love the monochromatic colors on some of those 356s. Yeah. The slate gray yeah. and the uh, stone gray. And uh, those are just uh, right. some wonderful colors. That's great. So, Tony, this is a fun part of our discussion. I call it the last lap. And since you used to be a racer, you know what that means. The white flag is out and we're getting near the end. This is where I fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready to go? Yep. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? No info is better than bad info. (laughs) I like that. That's a first. I like that. That's a great one. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Being systematic, you know, having habits. I'm very systematic in how I do day-to-day things where they become sort of no thought is required. And I'm talking about how I get ready in the morning, where I put my glasses, where I put my keys when I get to work, or my cell phone. Everything's done in a certain order every day. And I think that allows you to, when you get thrown a curveball, you have some room uh, left to, to deal with those kind of challenges. But uh, just try to be systematic and, and keep the easy things easy. Yeah. You know, don't waste time. Uh, where did I put my phone or where did I put my keys? You know, just, just be, have a system. Um, so when, when challenges do arise, uh, you're ready to deal with them, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. Better. And uh, I'm guessing that some of that, of those systems procedures, uh, thought processes comes from your days of racing because you've got to know where to reach. Absolutely. And yeah, you've got to know during a race where to reach and find that right wrench to make that correction exactly. or, or build a car when you've got an all-nighter and you've got to fix that engine and get it ready for That's the race exactly the next day. Right. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yep. That's great. Good job. Is there a book that you've recently read that you could share with our listeners that you really enjoyed? You know, I'll tell you, I, I, I've had the book forever. It's not a recent book, but one that I, I'll thumb through Oh, you know, once or twice a month, I'll look at this thing. It was written by Carol Smith. It's called Prepare to Win. It's basically kind of a a race car preparation handbook. And he he goes into, uh, you know, like light fabrication, plumbing, some aerodynamic stuff, but but real world, you know, just stuff, um, how threaded fasteners work and all that kind of stuff. But I have, and and obviously I've, I've had this book since, 
when I first started out in racing as a as a second mechanic, you know, I had all his books because he went on to write Engineer to Win, uh, Drive to Win, which Michael Schumacher had a lot of stuff to do with. Prepare to Win. It's an old. I I don't know if it's still in print or not, but it's uh it was written by Carol Smith and contributed. Uh, Willie Opliger was another. I think he's mentioned in that book. He's a guy that I worked with at P1. But but that's a, a book that I'll look at just if I need to, you know, if I'm fabbing up some metal and, you know, he, he's just got real good stuff in there. Yeah. Somebody that's sort of mechanically minded. Sounds like a great resource. Speaking of resources, is there one that you are really fond of? Maybe it's a website you go to frequently, a supplier or something you could share with our listeners? Yeah. You know, I don't go on to the, the internet that much, to be honest. I use it for trying to look for original photos and that kind of stuff. I really get into the research of how the cars were produced, you know, at the factory. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes if you start looking at too many restored cars, um, things get lost in the details. So I really try to just look at, you know, factory photographs um, and try to follow their protocols when doing the restorations. So that I, I am, I'm all over the place when it comes on to the, the Internet. Yeah. Um, type stuff. I don't there's not really one thing I go to necessarily. We'll just say Google. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Google. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I used to race go-karts. I raced dirt bikes for quite a bit, you know, for quite a while and still do ride. Um, I like motocross. Um, I guess that's still kind of an automotive thing. I'm currently raising two boys. You know, my my family obviously is uh, the number one. Uh, That's bigger than all this stuff. And we have we recently just got a boat, so we've been working on that. And boys like to fish and dive. Oh, great! So you know we're we're kind of busy. Yeah, we're busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're you're down there in San Clemente by the ocean, so that's great to have that uh, that lifestyle. And I know Tony mentioned to me just before this interview, he just come in from uh, spending a morning on a paddleboard out in the water. So uh, sounds like being around the water is a big part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to these resources that Tony has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Tony Smetona. And his last name is S-M-E-T-O-N-A. If you just type Tony into the search bar, his show notes page will pop right up. All right, we're up to the checkered flag now, Tony, and you know what that means. We're nearing the end of the race. This last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage and something that you couldn't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with and money is no object, what would it be and why? Yeah, that is, uh, that's a tough question. There's a <laughs> lot of cars out there. Yeah. Um, a car that I've always, always liked, and this goes back to when they were first introduced and I wasn't even old enough to drive a car, is a Ferrari Dino. Mm. I've always just liked the style of those. I like the fact that they're reasonably compact. You know, the mid-engine design, you know, the, the cockpit. I've never driven in one. I've never driven one, obviously. But I've always just thought, man, that is a, a timeless style, and it's something that I remember as a kid seeing them when they were new, and just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're, you know, there's a Ferrari right there. Oh so yeah. I've always liked, I've always liked the Dinos. You know, I just think that would be uh, a fantastic car to own. Yeah. It would not be like I say something that you could, I could own forever. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I had a car detailing business, and one of my customers had a Ferrari Dino that actually was originally owned by Cher, the singer. And it was metallic purple, and it had a plaque on the dash that said, this car built by Enzo Ferrari 
for share. And I used to ride my bike down to Mission Beach and get in Sam's car and he let me drive it back to my house and I'd spend the day detailing that thing. And those cars have always held a special place in my heart too. They're just yeah. just spectacular. Yeah. And unfortunately, their prices just of recent year is just out of reach. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the design and the shape, they were just kind of the unloved Ferrari for so many years for whatever reason, probably because they never had the word Ferrari on them. Yeah. They are special right. cars, aren't they? They're great. Well, Tony, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I want to thank you for sharing your stories with our listeners. If you could give them one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Dino, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, well, my advice to anybody out there doing this, or, or any just life in general, whether it's in the automotive industry or not, is to, to first and foremost follow your passion, you know, follow your heart. Um, I was never one to chase dollars. If you do something that you're passionate about and you apply yourself, you know, you work hard, then success, whether it's monetary or not, is going to follow. And there's things I may have done differently to, uh, you know, to make more money. But I, like I said, I never chased dollars and I couldn't be happier. I wouldn't change one thing. So I think just uh, figure out what it is that you love, you know, apply yourself, work hard, you know, treat people like you'd want them to treat you, um, you know, be straight up. And I just think good things will happen, you know, guaranteed. Absolutely. That is a guarantee. And great advice to our listeners, those folks that are want to be inspired and work around their field of passion, and that is automobiles, a great word of advice. And it's a reoccurring message that I hear from many people on Cars Yeah is follow your passion. It sounds cliche, but a lot of times, just figuring out what that passion is is the hard part for some people, for yeah, some reason. For, right. for those of us who love cars, figuring out what to do in that field is, is the way to go. And it sounds like you've done it, Tony. I want to thank you for being so generous with your time today and, and your expertise and sharing your stories with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. That was fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.